Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So uh, uh, Kevin and I went splunking in the archives of Talking Musical History, and we discovered that there is a missing episode that has never been aired before. The second part of Sweeney Todd. We never did the first part. We never did the first part? We never did anything with Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd was never done? That's what I'm saying. Holy crap! <laughs> we gotta get that out right yesterday! Folks, you have a great treat coming your way because we have unearthed the hidden episode of Talking Musical History. Yes, and it has its roots in Dickens. The demon barber of Fleet Street, Sweeney Todd, is going to be brought to you. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like giving a fuller picture of that time in London. So please enjoy the episode of Talking Musical History with Sweeney Todd. Podcast. Here Talking Musical History Pod, where stories of past are in the yard. You may never have heard things like this in your school, just how civilized men are actually cruel. Talk history. Talk musical. For venturing down the rabbit hole, you'll see what I went and the truth will be told. Talk Sweeney. Talk Sweeney Todd. The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Welcome, folks, to another edition of Talking Musical History. This time we are talking about Stephen Sondheim's beloved classic, Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. (laughs) (laughs) I am Kevin. And I'm Chris. I remember the first time hearing about this musical in, I think, high school, thinking to myself, oh, that's that's super weird. And I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of horror. I'm a huge fan of horror. Like, this seemed odd to me, like a musical about you know horror and then like seeing it seeing the movie seeing Johnny Depp's movie and then and then like researching for this and then going through and like seeing all the different performances that are out there man this is a powerful musical it wasn't a big commercial success at first and then the sick bastards in musical theater took over and it was an amazing piece of musical theater that other hold standards up to. Yeah, 100%. I think one of the uh, cool things about this musical specifically is it just rings true even as a musical. Like a lot of people have an issue with, let's say, uh, Oklahoma. It has lovely songs. This feels super authentic. That's Sondheim for you. The, the interviews that like he's done, it definitely is in how he wants to produce musicals. He wants them to feel 
authentic. He wants them to like the the, the characters to speak from where they should feel something real. If you haven't seen it, or if you haven't seen the movie, um, as long as you know you don't have a thing for blood, like uh, the prince did in uh, Into the Woods. Both Burton ventures too. Yeah, it's no yeah. thicker than your thing with dwarves. <laughs> dwarves are very upsetting. <laughs> Let's get back to Sweeney Todd. Not forgetting the neck unshavable. Let's talk about the origin of Sweeney Todd. According to Peter Haining, who published a book in 1993 titled Sweeney Todd, the Real Demon Barber of Fleet Street, asserting that Sweeney Todd was an orphan at 12 and a felon at 14, learning how to be a barber in prison. And then he got out and sought revenge, along with Mrs. Lovett, a beloved pie maker. Well, the truth is somewhere in between, folks. Historians have disputed this back and forth. I think it's one of the other great mysteries in history. I honestly don't think it matters because we have just so many examples of Sweeney Todd throughout history. The system crushing people into becoming Sweeney is all too real. Yes, and we will go into more of that later. When I was learning the early onset where Sweeney Todd came from, I learned about Penny Dreadfuls. Yeah. Did you know that Penny Dreadful was like our Pulp Fiction magazines or The Pulp? Started in 1896 in America. You see, Penny is how much it cost, and it had pretty dreadful content. They were probably a little more carelessly written, but had fathered some of the most terrific content. Think about it. Without Penny Dreadful, we might not have planet stories, dime detectives, horror stories, weird tales, or amazing stories. Dun, 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 dun. The more you know. The first spotting of anything close to Sweeney Todd was in the Pickwick Papers. The character Sam Weller in 1836 by Charles Dickens. In this story, it was said that he used cats in pies and Sweeney Todd as in the character name makes his first appearance with 1846-47 Penny Dreadful Edition by Thomas Prest, the string of pearls of romance. Here we meet Joanna Oakley. Her father is a spectacle maker and she has black hair. I was not able to find why they switched from black to yellow somewhere in the storytelling, but it was originally black. I know. I I, I read that as well. It is kind of odd and interesting that that would be something that was changed. Yeah, and then Tobias Rag is instantly introduced as Sweeney Todd's assistant, and there's no Pirelli. So I think how you get Sweeney Todd is you have Toby as the young Pirelli is what I read into it. I'm not sure if 1936 British horror film also called Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, if they included Pirelli at all. Interesting to uh, check out, though, the uh, 1936 film with Todd Slaughter, which is a a huge horror actor. George Dibden Pitt was the first to bring Sweeney Todd to the stage in 1847 with a play, The String of Pearls, The Fiend of Fleet Street. It was billed as a true story in an attempt to attract more people. It was performed on Broadway in 1924. Other introductions have come and gone in the time between there. However, it wasn't until 1973 with Christopher Bond's Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, that really fleshed out the story we all know today with the characters of Judge Turpin, 
and with accounts of Monte Cristo storyline added where Sweeney Todd gets shipped off to a penal colony in Australia. Yeah, Sydney, Australia. That's where Botany Bay is. So that one really was the groundwork for Sondheim. In 1979, he wrote with Hugh Wheeler and Jonathan Tunick in order to get the masterful Sweeney Todd that we are talking about here today. Yeah, it seems kind of obvious that he put some work into this to, to craft the story the way it is, because from what I've learned about like Penny Dreadfuls, co-opted things that they, they read from crime pages and newspapers and like turned them into like really bloodier stories. The main reason why this story has been able to like grow the way it has is basically because people learned how to read at the same time that they're building these Penny Dreadfuls where people are like able to consume this media of like, oh my God, look at all this like crazy stuff that's happening. Is this real? Is it not real? I don't know. Which is, is why that's the, the dispute of yeah. if he's real or not. Exactly. There, before the 2007 film, there was two silent films made in 1926. And in 1936, a Victorian melodrama was made before 1970, Bloodthirsty Butchers with Mrs. Lovett and Toddy's characters. What I thought was really interesting, though, one of the other things that I always love talking about is the casts over the years. Just by the way, Kat, I've been very impressed by like your YouTube and all of that stuff. And you made me think about like, oh, what would it be like if you like took all the, the best uh, uh, interesting people in the world and made a really awesome, cool musical. And like, you know, like I, I've watched all these different versions of Sweeney Todd and I'm like, oh man, wouldn't it be fun to just like Frankenstein the best version of Sweeney Todd out of it? Even the, like sw- changing out when a Sweeney shows up. So like it would switch between like a different version of Sweeney depending on the scene. I think Sondheim would go for that. <laughs> I'm sure he would too. <laughs> he would have the best of all the worlds. I know. <laughs> For those of you that don't know the story of Sweeney Todd, it is the story of a barber who... Benjamin Barker. In love with Lucy. They had a kid. Joanna. But Judge Turpin decided, you know, I think I'll take Lucy for myself. No point in time is it really seen that the judge or Beetle have violated the law. Because they made the laws. Exactly. Joanna is the baby that is left after Lucy falls prey to Judge Turpin. Like uh, uh, there's a there's a scene where the judge basically rapes her. And like, honestly, I didn't get that the first time I saw the movie. There's only so far are they're willing to go. We're not we're not talking about the original Evil Dead. I think that it is very fitting. His name is Judge Turpin. He, he is a bit of a Turpentine. He definitely wants to be judge, jury and ex. Executioner. In 1979, Sweeney Todd premiered with Len Carew as Sweeney Todd, who is known for Damn Yankees, 1959, lots of Shakespeare and Sondheim, starting with A Little Night Music as Frederick Eagerman. He was in the Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS productions. Following Len Carew, George Hearn took over the role, who starred in the film Silence. The film version of Sweeney Todd, th- this was the film version that was not a musical. Yeah, yeah. It was a um, like a live action version of the, like the original idea of the, uh, what is it? The Demon Barber Fleet Street, like the, the Penny Dreadful story, yeah. not the, the musical that this would become. He also had a guest role, which I noticed when I was watching an episode of The Golden Girls. And of course, he was on Murder, She Wrote as well. He was in Annie, A Royal Adventure. 
on stage as John Adams, the lead in 1776. Oh, really? That, like 1776? It keeps coming back. Yeah. I don't even think I was planning on mentioning that musical this time around. That is so awful. I mean, the musical is, not the story. La Caja Faux, Sunset Boulevard, Diary of Anne Frank, and Wicked, which I'm guessing he also played the wizard. That's pretty cool. He has a great career. He won a lot for Sweeney Todd, La Caja Faux, and Sunset Boulevard. Mrs. Lovett, who stayed with both Todds, was Angela Lansbury. Yeah, Angela Lansbury does, I think, a very interesting performance of Mrs. Lovett. Uh, Watching her, she pulls it off. And like in a, in a very interesting degree, but also it's like you're thinking like, shouldn't Mrs. Lovett be younger? Like she does such a good job. Yeah, she she is amazing. Like she originated that role. She will be forever known as Mrs. Lovett from here to eternity, just like she'll be known forever for Mrs. Potts. A lot of people uh, super believe, though, that Angela Lansbury obviously was uh, uh uh, killing the people that she found in her murder mystery. So, like, it, it's just really interesting that she always happened to be somewhere. And then then she's also selling pies with people's flesh in it. Yeah, Angela Lansbury. Like, mass murderer. Look out, folks. Look out. She won a Tony Award for Sweeney Todd, Gypsy, a Blythe Award as well, and Laurence Olivier. In 2013, she was awarded with the Academy Honorary Award. She won a Golden Globe back in 1945 for The Picture of Dorian Gray. Oh, that's a fun show. So she got to start real early in life. Also another Penny Dreadful. She won a lot for Murder, She Wrote as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the major way she killed. She killed as Jessica Fletcher. BAFTA Lifetime Achievement Award in 2003, SAG Lifetime Achievement Award in 1997, TV Hall of Fame in 1982. Uh, Originally, Anthony Hope was Victor Garber, who was Jesus in Godspell, the movie, Ernest Hemingway in 1988, Sleepless in Seattle, Jeffrey, First Wives Club, and Titanic is when I first connected the dots into who I knew he was, Legally Blonde, Milk, Argo, Liberace in 1988, as well as on TV, guest starring Law and Order, Outer Limits, Will and Grace. <laughs> That's a very diverse. Ugly Betty, Glee. <laughs> Super diverse. Modern Family, Tales of the City, which is an Amistad Moppin book about gay people in San Francisco. Mainstay in Alias, opposite Jennifer Garner. Oliver Warbucks in Annie. Cinderella. Life with Judy Garland, Me and My Shadows as Sidney Luft. He was also in Noises Off. Noises Off is an awesome show. One of the greatest farces, man. Like if, if Noises Off ever became a musical, I, 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 I would be so excited. Um, but my personal favorite is that he was John Wilkes Booth in Assassins. Assassins. Yeah. Victor Garber was also in Damn Yankees. Hello, Dolly. He won a SAG Award for Argo, Drama Desk, Four Noises Off, Bob Gundin's Miss Lovett was Beth Fowler. We know probably his sister Ingalls from Orange is the New Black. Oh, okay, cool. Demon Barber of Fleet Street also had Michael Severus as Sweeney Todd. Everything that man touches is brilliant. He's known from Fun Home. He's also been Hedwig and the Angry Inch. 
He played John Wilkes Booth as well as uh, Victor Garber. Patty Lapone was Mrs. Lovett. Um, yeah, I've actually heard a lot of great things about that show specifically. Uh, a lot of people believe hashtag best Mrs. Lovett. And, uh, you know, I would like to I would like to see evidence of that. I think that would be uh, really amazing. That being said, she actually did a concert where pull it up on YouTube, folks. It's Patty Lapone with George Hearn and Michael Severus. Oh, wow. And it's it's her, them singing the priest song oh, and they yeah. alternate between the Sweeney's. So I think <laughs> you're, you're saying that before, Chris. I'm on to something. I'm on to you, something. You, you, there is something. It wasn't a full performance, but it was just that, that I'm song. Just saying, that would be like, like uh, that would be a fun little musical performance. Oh, yeah. Like the, the, the perform- sometimes the performances they do where they'll like have a, an album of like, uh, like a musical but it's done by like artists mm-hmm. you know um that that would be really interesting just to like have like you know the best version of each song from C- sweeney todd yeah and so just to let you know folks for the record what we did is we watched the 2007 movie by tim burton and we also watched a stage production of it yeah the one with angela lansbury in addition to a later version of it, Philharmonic Concert Productions. The one on PBS. In 2014, yes, because that one had Bryn Turfel as Sweeney Todd, Emma Thompson yeah. as Nellie Lovett, and then you also had Philip Quast. He was Inspector Javert in Les Miserables, and he was also in Sunday in the Park with George, uh, South Pacific. Then you also had The Beggar Woman was... Audra McDonald. Audra McDonald. That was the second time she played the Beggar Woman. The first time she did it was in 2000 with George Hearn reprising his role and Nellie Lovett with Patti Lapone reprising her role and also Neil Patrick Harris as Toby. Ooh. He was in all three. Of the concert productions between 1999, where Todd was Kelsey Grammer. Oh, wow. That's fun. That's really fun. Nellie Lovett was Christine Baranski. (laughs) After this message, we'll be right back. We're back. Oh, yeah, we're back. We're back on the air. And... Back to 1776, Chris. Oh my gosh, why? For Judge Turpin, Thomas Jefferson, Ken Howard. Oh, all right, all right, that's very cool. One thing, like, uh, you know, we were talking about all these different versions of Mrs. Lovett, and like, uh, um, I, you know, I was watching Musical Hell, um, and they were talking about how uh, who is the best version of Mrs. Lovett. We we were talking about like uh, Helen uh, uh, Bottom Carter, like uh, her sort of uh, performance around this. We were talking a moment ago how you were saying that like she didn't really have like the energy that you wanted to see in a Mrs. Lovett. One thing they were saying on Musical Hell is that she needed to be more Beatrice Lestrange in Sweeney Todd and I'm like oh my gosh yeah she totally she knows how to be Mrs. Lovett Mm -hmm. but she played Mrs. Lovett in a different way I think she sort of like sympathizes more with Mrs. Lovett and like thinks she's more of a tragic character that sort of gets swept up on the greed of the scenario also being like so poor and destitute a lot of people think that uh, Patti Lapone's performance of Mrs. Lovett is the best I've only seen the one the three that we we, we talked about she was amazing who's the definitive Mrs. Lovett I would also have to go with some people who are saying Patti Lapone she just brings 
brings so much to the character. She has this sly wit about her that you think, if you're looking at the text, you can't really play her that sympathetic because from the things she says, she isn't really. She's a little bit more devious than that. <laughs> Patty Lapone comes in and is a guest star on Pose. We, at least in the musical theater world, go, oh, that's a Mrs. Lovett character. She's playing Mrs. Lovett again. That's fun. People behind the music are Hugh Wheeler, who wrote the book, was a British novelist and screenwriter and librettist, poet, and translator. He won big with Sondheim with A Little Night Music, Candide, and of course, Sweeney Todd, and credited with research consultant for the film of Cabaret. Jonathan Tunick also consulted with Sondheim and between Stephen Sondheim and Jonathan Tunick for the music and lyrics, they wrote musical history. Stephen Sondheim is the godfather of musical theater, recreating the art form, having lived next to Oscar Hammerstein. Yeah, no, he had a, um, he actually had a relationship with the Hammersteins. He interned with him. Um, there was one point where he spent an hour with him. The, the guy like told him ultimate truths about making musicals and he said in that moment he learned more about making musicals than he'd ever learned in his whole entire life that is the that's the story right like when great things can happen for people and they're uplifted by these moments and they're able to create great things because of it i took some notes from a book called finishing the hat by stephen sondheim when we do another stephen sondheim i will be consulting the notes as well from the notes of finishing the hat Sondheim did not know any Cockney. He at first started to make up words, and at first nobody realized <laughs> that's awesome. He had seen people do it, namely Peter Schaefer, a playwright who had fooled people with fake Shakespeare. I forgot which performance it was, but it was fake Shakespeare. That's fun. And nobody knew. Which shows how much people know Shakespeare. Peter Schaefer introduced Sondheim to David Land, who helped him incorporate actual Cockney words and phrases into his work. David Land was born in Cockney territory. He did, however, make up a place. What did he make up? Kearney's Lane. With the character of Mrs. Lovett, The Worst Pies in London, it reminds Sondheim and a lot of other people that hear the song of the character of Amy in company with Getting Married Today. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, a completely frantic song. Uh, I'm not getting married today. In the scene with Purelli, there is a tooth pulling scene after the shave off between him and Todd. Remind me a bit of Les Mis with Fantine in order to make money to save Cosette. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's like uh, uh, selling her, her teeth. So that's another part, though, that um, is cut that out of the musical. Of the, the, the realism, right? Because like, if you think about it, all those things are happening like in simultaneous times in history. The idea of this is set in 1785. So like, that's down the road. Both tooth-pulling scenes are cut out of musicals. No, no, no. There are performances of the tooth-pulling scene... I saw a production of it at U of M where they did the where they did the tooth pulling scene and I was surprised because I didn't know it existed well, until they, that they time. They the, the dentist school there so I'm sure they wanted to use the dentist. There we go. <laughs> they had plenty of them. Another thing that usually gets cut with the tooth pulling scene is the scene that follows with Judge Turpin admitting in Latin 
that it is his fault and how sorry and bad he feels by saying, Mia Maxima Culpa! Ah, deliver me! Yeah, that, that really shocked me when I saw it on the stage at U of M. He's like whipping himself. Yeah, he takes out a whip in S&M style way to climax. Mia Maxima Culpa! Ah, deliver me! Oh. So Sondheim fought with Hal Prince about that one, actually. These two scenes were first taken out because it distracts from the focus of Sweeney as our main character for too long. Plus, it was too racy for Hal Prince. Oh, okay, I guess. I mean, it is very racy. Don't get me wrong. Like, how many people die in the show? Because I'm not sure. In Pretty Women... Because I never looked at the lyrics. I've heard the song. I've seen it done in one of my college classes in musical theater. It was brilliant. But this is the first time I looked at the actual words. And looking at the lines, Todd is singing about a close personal connection of an, a, a wear woman, a with it woman who knows she can write. She knows stuff. She, she, she's seen things and she yeah. can write about them. Whereas Judge Turpin, it's about the idea. It's a passive woman. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't feel like anyone really cares to know what Joanna cares about. No. At all. It looks like they're coming from two different perspectives where like Todd's like, he's actually had that connection and he lost it. Whereas oh, yeah, Judge Turpin like, never finds it. As anti-patriarchy as I might be, a person's mother is their mother and a person's father is their father. And like, you really can't break that connection, you know? The actual mother and father, not the, the people trying to uh, uh, adopt them and then randomly marry them further down in the story judge Sherman comes off as he wants the idea of a passive stupid woman as he creeps the the, the totally lines creeps. are creepy in every performance i've seen judge turpin and that's why like when i saw that judge turpin was philip Quas, i would go how perfect he plays you know a pies vulture essentially in both lamas and sweetie todd yeah most definitely in the original christopher bond play have a little priest was reduced to the line that Todd says, your pie shall be the wonder of the town for every customer who comes up here shall serve the ones below. Hmm. Yeah, that's the way, right? We're, gonna, we're definitely going to get more into that in uh, part two of this. The ones above will send those down below. Themes in the show are just like really just phenomenal. I think it's really cool because it doesn't automatically just like make judgment. It just says, this is a slice of moment in time. You think the way you want to about it. I really like that about the show specifically. Sondheim would have given Mrs. Lovett more of an end to that song as well, the new version that he would have written if he would have rewritten the song. Todd will not discriminate great from small. No will serve anyone, meaning anyone, both and to anyone at all. Instead of Todd, no will serve anyone, and then Mrs. Lovett goes, will serve anyone, giving her more of a solo line in there. In the song, By the Sea, Mr. Todd. Lindsay Ellis's podcast. I didn't really realize that the uh, Lindsay Ellis, who I always talk about in, on this, our podcast, yeah. she, she does a podcast about musical as well and actually did Sweeney Todd earlier the story she tells is like of how 
being in 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 love with someone in grad school they're not reciprocating and you're like trying your best to like do all the awesome things you've been in tons of relationships like that kevin i don't mean to like yeah the no, bus, but like no. we've had conversations you've yeah. talked to me about that oh yeah like, oh no no this will work this will turn out just fine let me like this is mrs lovett like during this song like she's trying to like say no 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 this is all gonna be perfect i'm gonna i'm gonna make it all great and he's just like yeah whatever you want i i think that like resonates with a lot of people when mrs lovett sings bring along your chopper it's a double meaning in both blade and in england it's slang for penis <laughs> that's hilarious Beggar Woman's Lullaby was written to add more of a murder mystery clue for you to associate the Beggar Woman as Lucy as one and the same. Although some guessed it before that moment, some only when Todd discovered it, and some never got it. This was added as a more horror element to the musical. Actually uh, made Sweeney Todd as a love letter to Bernard Herrmann. Do you know who that guy is? Who is Bernard Herrmann? So Bernard Herrmann, actually one of the most prolific composers in American history. You may have heard some of the scores he's uh, worked on. Citizen Kane, The Man Who Knew Too Much, Psycho, Vertigo, North by Northwest, Cape Fear and Taxi Driver, just to name a few. When we did our Hans Christian Andersen, we brought up the man who knew too much. Yeah, I know. Like that's like everything is like sort of interconnected and in all this. Isn't that crazy? The, so, so the cool thing is, is that like you know, like Bernard Herrmann is like the master of suspense, and I, I, you can feel it. Hitchcock has always been a, a great influence for me as a as a film director because of like how he really plans out everything, and in, in a lot of the same ways. They're both Godfathers in their respect. The Godfather of horror 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 suspense so yeah definitely and i would say sondheim is the godfather of the modern musical. modern musicals yeah, yeah easily being able to sort of like a uh, match characterization with lyric like melody the way it's built when it's sung perfectly it just throws chills down your spine i was gonna go into things that you might not understand or you may not fully understand okay well let's talk about them in the opening song where the chorus sings that was cut from the movie version Lava boat, outdated term for a wash basin from the 18th century Latin lava, wash in Latin. Strop is a strip of leather used to sharpen razors. I think that one scene where Sacha Baron Cohen is cutting his Toby while he's sharpening yeah. that, that is just a beautiful thing. That is like best Pirelli moment. Like just showing how he has complete disregard for yeah. the people around him. Dardanelles, place in Turkey separating Asia and Europe. Beggar woman called Muff was a woman's private. Jig jig, sex predominantly in pigeon language. Pigeon English or Cockney, I think they meant to say. Uh, is that is that what getting jiggy with it actually means? Could be the first start of that, getting jiggy with it. <laughs> oh, na, 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 na. When Lovett sings knit, referring to Lucy, British short slang for nitwit or fool, wheedle, using flattery to get someone to do something. There were, I mean, beetle with wheedle in the song still about Lucy and how she fell. Blighter is person regarded with irritation. Oh, I didn't realize. Contrite, affected by guilt. Mm -hmm. The birds. In... Joanna Green Finch and Lindenberg. Green represents green as a color, as positivity, hope as well. Anthony like breaks open the cage. Yeah. Uh, freeing hope. The cage in the stage production is green. Linnet, the songbird named from the diet of Lynn that it eats. Nightingale, the muse that sings to find a mate. Blackbird, death, change, magic, mystery. 
Ring dove is a half ring neck around a dove, symbolizing love, peace, and or messengers. Lark, bird that sings while flying, very good at mimicking other songs. Damask, dark textured pattern deriving from Damascus in Syria in the European Middle Ages. Shelley, Pri Pirelli's Miracle Elixir. And we think that it is referencing Percy Bysshe Shelley, English romantic poet. Or it could be Mary Shelley, but probably Percy. Yeah, probably Percy Shelley. Yeah. Maybe that duality is on purpose because this is a horror show. Mary Shelley is the writer of Frankenstein. Yes, of course. If you don't know Mary Shelley, writer of Frankenstein, true horror show. She wrote that on shrooms oh really did not know that propagates a man and crowd in that song right out over a wider area turpin as he sings mia maxima culpa is latin for it's my fault i feel so bad oh love it sings about daisies a symbol of motherhood and new beginnings innocence and purity gilly flowers original romantic flower for lovers bliss and everlasting love Nitty Noodle is a stupid person sung by Joanna. Ridicule is a, another song that was cut in the movie. It's a small bag or purse and it's outdated. Oh, is that the uh, same purse that Pirelli had? So one of the things that he said in the book was FOP was the, the only title that was given that is not a job specific. Oh, okay, cool. Toby says thruppins. It's three pence or pennies. Love It sings beaker of beer, meaning a large drinking container. With wide mouth, the beggar woman sings Vesper's Bell. And when she's trying to warn the people about the smell, a service of evening prayer. So it's saying that it's dictating it's taking place at night. And Lovett sings Kip in leather making. The hide of a young or small animal. The beggar woman, she has the song that's near the end. She sings My Joe, My Jing. Jing is Chinese for essence, spirit, or energy. Well, folks, this is another two-part episode, so tune in next time for the conclusion of Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. That totally sounds like a Pulp Fiction. That'll do. We'll see you again, folks. Bye. Here talking musical history pod, where stories of past are in the yard. You You may may never have heard heard things like this in your school, just how civilized men are actually cruel. Talk history, talk musical, for venturing down the rabbit hole, you'll see what, what I went in, the truth will be told. Talk Sweeney, talk Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag, say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.